We're back! Welcome to Wrestling With God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here, as always, with my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Hey, Irish. So, Father Len, we took a little time off from the Wrestling With God show so you could get acclimated in your new parish up there in northern Idaho near the shores of beautiful Lake Coeur d'Alene. And I was a little worried because it was touch and go whether you'd be able to find the time for the podcast, uh, given all that you hope to do in your new parish. And, of course, the lure of the beach and boating on Lake Coeur d'Alene. But I'm happy to report the podcast will continue. Now, we may not be able to publish a new episode each week, depending on whether we can pull uh, Father Len off the lake or the beach. But our plan right now is to create a new episode every other week. So, Father Len, are you ready to get back to work? Uh, I haven't stopped working, but sure. (laughs) You're not spending that much time at the beach or on the lake? I've only been to the lake once. Oh, that was for a walk. Yeah, I haven't had time for it yet. I Um, wish I did. Oh, okay. All right. So you've been wanting to do an episode on compassion and self-compassion since we recorded episode 30. And that was all about the difference between guilt and shame and the benefits of guilt and the evils of shame. And you told us how important and valuable self-compassion can be for all of us particularly when we're feeling shame. And I think we've all been there. Uh, It's pretty hard to get through life without a little shaming from somebody. Uh, I know you like to shame me on occasion. And and even some like me. No, not at all, Father Lynn, of course. Uh, And and then there's always self-inflicted shame. And shame can be really debilitating and relationship killing and really hard to cure. So, Father Lynn, let's grapple with the cure for shame. Okay, this is my belief. So guilt is actually really easy to get rid of. You go to confession. But in my priesthood, I've been shocked over 30 years how much shame keeps coming up in so many hidden ways that it always eats away with us. And shame is really hard to heal. You you want to just quickly, Father Lynn, because I think a lot of people think guilt and shame are kind of interchangeable. Can you just give us just a quick difference between the two? Guilt is what I've done. Guilt is what my actions and looking, saying, yeah, I can do better. Shame is how you think of yourself, what you are. That's really hard to get rid of. So victims of child abuse and rape family history. Shame is sometimes really hard and it controls people. So many people have tried self-esteem programs, but they've done these studies. They don't work. If anything, it makes you more self-centered and less compassionate, but it doesn't really alleviate any shame. So this has always kind of plagued me in my priesthood. How do you get rid of shame? Like we do have the anointing of the sick and I have found amazing miracles with that. But for most people, it takes a little bit more effort than hoping for a miracle. And <laughs> what, what I've really found is 
the best cure is what's called the examine, St. Ignatius examine. The examine is this meditative practice that you do every day. And it starts with praying for light. Like I do the liturgy of the hours. And then the second step is naming three things that you're grateful for that day, but you have to replay them in your mind, really savor, remember every detail of the three things you're thankful for. And like I say, a glory be for each of the three. Then the next step is naming two things that you could have done better. Now that one, I I just say act of contrition for each one, but that one's kind of key. So the key of that is when doing the examine is that when you say, okay, I could have been better here. It matters what kind of voice is in your head when you're doing this self-examination. So that voice, that chatter in your head, that's really what I found the examination changes is the voice that you're talking to yourself with. And that's where self-compassion comes in. And to me, that's a big part of our spirituality. Because if you're Jewish, you follow the command that the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is say the Shema, to love with all your heart, mind, and soul. But Jesus then adds and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, this is the greatest commandment. But how do people learn to love themselves in order to kind of cure shame? And granted, at baptism, parents and godparents make this promise in front of everybody to teach the child how to love God, others, and themselves. But most people forget the part about how do you learn to love yourself? How do you learn to love yourself without becoming a narcissist? Well, speaking of self-compassion, that's a great way. And they've done these studies on the power of self-compassion. So why is it that after a trauma, some people have PTSD and other people have PTSD, post-traumatic growth? Like They grow. And doing this study on war vets, the key finding is how much self-compassion a vet was able to relate That changes it from trauma to post-traumatic growth, not how much combat they saw. And so if these vets could learn the skills of self-compassion, they function better in daily life and at home, and they're less likely to turn to drugs and alcohol or commit suicide. You know, if you think about it, what makes you weak or what makes you strong when you go into battle, and life's a battle, is if the inner chatter inside your head is an enemy cutting you down, shaming you, that's a dangerous weakness. But if the inner voice is self-compassionate saying, I've got your back, I'm here for you, Uh, you can do it, how can we improve? That's a strength. That's an ally inside your head that's going to make you stronger versus an enemy inside your head that is constantly cutting you down. And Self-compassion is great at renaming your problems. Self-compassion makes you feel safe even when you're failing. And so people with skills of self-compassion, they test out to be even more resilient. That's why they have PTSD. And so a lot of research has shown that this is a trainable skill. Now, uh, just real quick, St. Ignatius 500 years ago, he tested various methods and how, what works to make somebody a more holy person. 
That's why he came up with this examine. And the examine is a great way of changing your inner voice. The examine is a great way of changing the voice in your head to be supportive, even when you're looking at your failures. So like shame and self-criticism are not the same thing. Self-criticism is when I actively can critique my actions and accomplishments. It's not a bad thing to feel guilty. Now where I can do better here and here and here, I can do better. But shame is not self-criticism. It's a conclusion that I always mess up. I'm always terrible. You know, it's a self-abasing, abusive voice in your head. And shame is always trying to identify us as being worthless. Now, guilt is not a bad thing. It's not saying you're worthless. It's just saying you can improve. Shame is a belief that just because I've made a mistake, I am a mistake, that I am terrible. Now, that's horrible for you. And oddly enough, people who are controlled by shame, they usually have less compassion and they apologize less to other people. It makes us much more difficult to see the truth about who we are and what we've done if we're blinded by this constant voice of shame in our head. We just can't take in the truth. So a lot of people with shame, they always feel threatened. And so they respond with fight or flight. Or they become shame people become so cynical about other people. And when you're threatened, we either attack other people or at worse, we result with suicide. Or you might play, you know, with a lot of shame, you not, might just play that play dead, that hopefully the danger will go away. So, so and, Father, Father Len, can, let's get real concrete here if we can. Back in episode 30, we were talking about uh, Tarana Burke, and she was the founder of the Me Too movement. And the shame that she felt initially that she got through was the shame of being raped as a child. She felt like she was, you know, permanently broken. She was trash. She was bad. She even blamed herself for being raped. Can you kind of apply this self-compassion, how she changes that thinking from, you know, seeing herself as bad and trash and whatever, how you turn that into to something positive? Okay, so the voice inside her head is always saying that she's trash. That's shame. So it's not a question of saying, well, I'm just going to make the voice go away because it's not going to go away. Self-compassion is training instead of being that voice being critical and shaming to change the voice to be encouraging. That's what the examine exercises make you do. That you're changing the chatter inside your head instead of constantly saying you're a loser, you're a trash, it's your fault. It's changing the voice in your head to be a more grateful. And more importantly, when you look at failure, looking at failure when you train yourself is not saying I am a failure. I can do better. It's actually encouraging. So people who've changed the voice in their head to be self-compassionate are more likely to pick themselves up after a failure. They actually test out to have more grit and more determination. People with higher levels of this voice of self-compassion in their head are more likely to help other people. So, what does that look like or sound like, though, to, you know, like a young 
a young person who's been raped. What does that sound like, this change? And how, I mean, apply uh, the examine to that, if you will. Kind of help us understand that. So when you're going over your mistakes of the day, right? mistakes, I don't hear a voice saying, see, look at that. Look at that. You're a loser again. Uh, I've trained myself where the voice says, okay, okay, that was, that was not good there. So I'll give you an example. <laughs> uh, just yesterday, I was walking the grounds here and early in the morning, and this dog comes out and attacks me. Didn't bite me, but it was really <laughs> close, and I was scared. And this guy comes out of the bushes, and it's a homeless guy. And his dog is attacking, and I start yelling at him, control your dog. So he runs over and grabs his dog. And so I'm yelling at him and I am ticked off. So I tell him, I'm really ticked off. And I said, your dog should be leased. And he said, well, I'm homeless and I need a dog for protection. And I said, I don't care if I was a kid, it could have attacked me. And so I said, I want your, you and your dog out of here or I'll be calling the police. And I only said that to scare him. And he gathered up his stuff and basically I saw him running away. And then I felt terrible because really a homeless person should be allowed to sleep on the church grounds. And so I had to kind of review, okay, I screwed up. Uh, That was not a good way to handle a homeless person. I mean, I do need him to control his dog, but I didn't have to, like I purposely mentioned the police just to scare him. And so like in my self-examination, when I was going over it, it was more like a voice of a best friend saying, yeah, yeah, that messed up. But you know what you should have done? You should have said, listen, wait, wait. As you saw him running away, you could have gone after him and said, wait, you know, wait, I was just angry. I'm not going to call the police. Let me like, I could have rectified the situation, but I, even when I recognized when I did something wrong, I had that split second, I could have got him and said, no, you stay, but you are going to have to leash your dog if you're going to be sleeping on the grounds overnight. So what you didn't do then is say, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. I'm always a jerk. You know, well, well, let's face it. I was a jerk then. But when I say (laughs) I was a jerk, it's just, it's not a state of permanence. I was temporarily a jerk and I was, because I was scared. I'm not making excuses for myself. I'm being a coach. Okay. Well, what could I have done better? Yeah, that's true. So I'm not denying the truth. I was temporarily a jerk and I said something just to scare a homeless person. But the voice in my head, it's a coach. It's not berating. It's not like, see, you did it again. One more time proving what a jerk you are. You have your anger issues. It's not permanently being a jerk. So it's just looking at my failures with a voice of a best friend, with a voice of a coach who wants me to do better. Got it. So you're not, you're not saying you're permanently damaged. You're never going to be able to be a good person. You're just saying, you know, I didn't handle that very well. I can do better. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and, but you want to train yourself that that's the voice in your background. That's the voice in your head. You want to train it, not just like over time. This is what I like about the examine. And they've actually found this to be true. You concentrate on being grateful, just three grateful things. They found that if you list those in your head over time, 
neural pathways grow in your head that that's the way you think. You simply think with more joy and gratitude. Well, I think the same is true with the self-examination process where the voice in your head gets louder and louder, less critical and more encouraging. So that chatter in your head, that is always going on in the background, no matter what time of day it is. Why not build the neural pathways where you start thinking in terms of joy and encouragement and less afraid to look at your problems? If Tara, God bless her, if she's really controlled by shame, she can't examine any mistakes because it just proves, as she said, that she's a piece of trash. But why not turn that voice slowly over time to be that of a best friend giving advice or like Oprah Winfrey, I think is really good at this. So Oprah Winfrey, they asked her years ago in this interview, somebody asked, what are the things that you've learned in life? And she was so shocked about the answer. Sorry, the question she couldn't answer. So she gave some blah, blah, word, 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 but it really disturbed her. So she started to think about that. And then I haven't read the book, but she's written a book over it. And she said, you know what I learned? It's the simple things in life that give me joy. And she said when she was poor and had nothing, she used to do a gratitude exercise and write it in a journal. She finds the journal, but now she's a billionaire. But once she became a billionaire, she stopped giving gratitude. And then she took it up again. And she says, you know, it's the little things in life that make me so, like growing my own vegetables. Wouldn't you like to look in a book of a billionaire and find out what they're grateful for? But it has nothing to do with money. And that's the voice that she learned to retrain in her head. The other thing is, you know, she was raped. And a couple other things she's honest about in the book. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm going to. But she mentions that this voice was always in her head about the rape, about having a child. She had a child when she was young that everybody would know. And it was this monster inside her head. Now, what's really interesting, even without practicing the examine, she learned to confront that voice and change it into an encouraging voice. And so I think it's really interesting. In the book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou uh, was Oprah's mentor. She was this poet in the United States, but she too had a terrible childhood abandoned by her parents, raised by her grandmother and a special needs uncle. She's raised by them, except uh, when she's eight, she's raped and the grandmother knew who raped her. So she had some guys go kill the guy. Wow. Yeah. Maya Angelou, she thought because she spoke his name, she killed him. And so she stopped speaking for several years. Wow. She just refused to speak. And all she did was read. And she said, I read Catholic stuff. I read all sorts of stuff. And so when I finally realized I didn't commit that murder, I had the words to say that and a lot of different ways in which to say it. Now, what's really interesting is that when she tells the story, I know why the cage bird sings, she has this really interesting narrative of an older woman, this older, happy, joyful Maya Angelou encouraging her younger self. It's this great dialogue of, and 
really that's the voice of self-compassion. Imagine yourself giving yourself advice, but imagine an older, wiser, happier you saying, yeah, Irish, you harassed Father Len again and you made him cry. <laughs> but like you can do better next time. You can be funny without berating. You can like... Like, that's what I like about the book. It's an older self giving a younger self encouragement, but not afraid to look at the wounds and problems of life. So like, that's why I say like developing that voice and it takes training of self-compassion. It's better than self-esteem, which we can do a separate show on that. I'd like to do with the problems of self-esteem because what really upsets me is that society keeps thinking, well, to overcome shame, you need self-esteem. That is a false, false rate. And the best of all is that if you take up the practice of the examine, and by the examine, I mean that third step of self-compassion, you actually do change the voice in your head. They did the study with kids of how do you get kids to improve on their problems? And this is a strange trick. What they would do is take the kids, older kids, and give advice to younger kids on the very problem, discipline problem that they're having. And making the kids say it themselves in an encouraging way to a younger person, they actually learn that better than an adult lecturing at them. So it's the voice of self-compassion is what they are teaching these kids. The voice of self-compassion on my the very mistakes that I make. So that's why I think it's the examine is so powerful. And the third is with the voice of self-examining, turning that chatter in your head to being very encouraging. They find people look at their problems better, but even better that if you turn down the noise of shame and you develop this voice of self-compassion, you're even more compassionate to other people. That's a great benefit. But even more spiritually, I think you train yourself to hear the voice of Christ, or I'll say the Holy Spirit speaking in you. But if the volume on shame is turned up really high, you know, pray as much as you want. It's really hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit with all that background noise of shame. So I think with gratitude exercises, with self-examination of of self-compassion on your mistakes, you turn down the volume. And with that kind of peace, I think you learn to hear the voice of Christ really encouraging you, the urgings of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I, I like a couple of things. I like the idea because I think that, and you've said this before, shame is so self-focused. And what you've said here is that if you can become this friend, if you can get outside yourself and be this coach or this friend that separates you from yourself so that you can view what happened in, in a less emotional, less self-focused way and in an encouraging way, and you're saying that the examine really helps you do that, kind of step outside yourself and this, uh, this take shame. Take the long and, view. Take the really wide yeah. view is what it helps. You know, with shame, actually, it's connected with physical pain. Like you think it's just 
you know, this feeling, but it's not, it's actually a physical pain that you're, you know, this low grade pain and nothing is more self-absorbing than when you're in pain. (laughs) And how can you really have a free loving life when you have this pain, constantly pain playing in the background? Yep. And I think Ignatius is right. You know, prayer, gratitude exercises, and even self-compassion, he didn't call it self-compassion, but these self-compassion exercises, they change the voice in your head where you can start to actually hear a greater voice. And that is the Holy Spirit. Well, so Father Len, just real quickly, if you just wrap this up with a real quick summary of the examine and, and, and how it does kind of, you know, help you to change that voice and get outside yourself, outside this pain that you're actually, it's actually self-inflicted pain. Okay. So one is prayer. You pray for the light of the Holy Spirit. I change it up because I, if St. Ignatius can tinker, I can tinker. (laughs) So for that one, I actually do my liturgy of the hours. So can you can you summarize that for people who don't know what that is? Kind of just a little sense of what the it's liturgy. In the Bible, you pray three psalms basically in the Magnificat. Okay, uh, so that's an ancient in the Old Testament. Yeah, you pray the psalms. That's a prayer book. Same thing okay. Jesus did. Okay, um, and I, when I'm praying, I'm actually praying for the Holy Spirit to take over. So that's step one. Step two is the gratitude exercises, where you play it back in your head. So three things that day that you really enjoyed. And like, yeah, I have found that, wow, it's true. I take joy, a real great amount of joy in the small things in life. I rarely win the lottery, but every day there's beauty and you want to really savor it so that it sticks in your memory. So that's the second step. Third step is go ahead. Yeah, I, I lo- no, I love that second step because I think that does take you outside yourself. Yeah, it is the really big view. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, most people, their view is, and this gets into, we can talk about this later. The smaller the view of yourself, the more pain that you're aware of. The larger the view, the more beauty you see. I love that. Um, so there, there's exercise on that too. So the self third step is a self-compassion of name two of your mistakes. But when you name it, don't name it with a voice of shame, practice the voice of self-compassion, speak to it as, you know, an older self, imagine yourself being 60 and telling your younger self, or if not an older person, then tell them the voice. Like I have two really good friends I go to with my problems and they always make me feel much better about my problems, but they don't pull their punches. If I've screwed up, they have a way of really making me see the screw up and okay, you're going to do better next time. And you know why? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love their voices. So, I think the biggest thing about that is recognizing that it is a mistake or something you can do better. It's not, it's not permanent. You know, it's looking at, it's, it's all about self-improvement. It's saying, and, okay, like yeah. I was a jerk today with the homeless guy with his dog, and, but I can do better and I can figure out how to do better. And that's going to make me a better person. And you know what though? Everybody fails. Totally. Everybody fails. And so if you're controlled by shame, every failure just reminds you what a piece of trash you are. I love it. If that- you're controlled by self-compassion, every failure 
just says, no, I'm going to get better and better and better. In the last part of the examine is you actually end with hope that tomorrow will be even better. <laughs> you pray for hope. That's great. So, I love it. I know this sounds strange, but would you be willing to do another one where we do one more set on self-compassion? But I just want to cover the difference between self-compassion and self-esteem. Because the big mistake I think a lot of people make is, well, I'm just going to try and improve my self-esteem. But if you try that, it doesn't work. It makes things worse. It's compassion, not self-esteem you need. Well, it's like somebody said, putting lipstick on a pig. I mean, it's just, it, it's too superficial. I don't know that it really does anything. I just, uh, yeah, I'd love to do another one on this. So, so we will do that. So... We welcome your comments and questions. It's easy to get those to us. You can just shoot us an email at questions at www.gshow.com. That's questions at www.gshow.com. And if you're enjoying the Wrestling with God show, please share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people discover us. And uh, by the way, subscribing or following us is free, and, and it just guarantees you'll know whenever we publish a new episode, which won't be quite as often as it used to be. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, purpose, and compassion in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>